This episode of That's What G Said is brought to you by Stable Duel. If you don't know what Stable Duel is right now, you got to stop and take a look at StableDuel.com right now. You can download the app on iOS or Android devices. If you're going to be playing the races on Breeders' Cup weekend, you have to get involved in Stable Duel's contests. They are free to enter. It is fantasy horse racing. It's daily fantasy for horse racing, completely free to enter. On the Breeders' Cup Friday, there's going to be a $5,000 prize pool. Breeders' Cup Saturday, $15,000 prize pool. It's going to be back-to-back at the Breeders' Cup contest for Stable Duel. Check it out right now. If you have any questions at all, just let me know and I can talk you through it. And you're going to be playing against me in these contests. We're going to be battling it out. You're going to look for the uh, the stable name. That's what G said. And that's going to be me hopefully skyrocketing up the ranks. So make sure to take a look at, at Stable Duel. On this episode, uh, that's what G said. We're going to talk some World Series. Uh, First two games of the World Series in the books with the Nationals and the Astros. NBA, the season is underway. We'll recap the first couple nights of games, and then we'll go through every team. We'll give you some thoughts on uh, on how they will perform this year, positives, negatives, uh, uh, what uh, some of the new moves. We'll also break down the movie, if you didn't watch it. El Camino, if you're a Breaking Bad fan, this is the what they're calling the epilogue movie on Netflix. It basically picks up right after... Breaking Bad and it deals with the the character Jesse Pinkman and what happens to him immediately following and then we'll close things out with a couple Keeneland horse racing plays for Thursday don't go anywhere folks we got a long action packed show for you ahead Hey guys, thanks for tuning in to another episode of That's What G Said Podcast uh, Lots of, lots of stuff going on right now, so busy And I'm I'm getting ready, folks, because we are just a couple weeks away from uh, my girlfriend Stephanie's due date She is due with our little boy on November the 4th So getting everything set up, uh, going through all the uh, the kid stuff now Starting to set up the uh, the area and... Really looking forward to the next couple of weeks. It's going to be exciting, and we, we finished all of our classes now. So we've been through the child care classes and uh, the hospital classes, and we so now we're at the point where we just have a doctor's appointments on every Monday to check up, make sure she's okay, and uh, I'm, we're about the hospital in Long Beach is where we'll be going. About ten minutes away from. That hospital, so we're close, we're nice and close We don't have to be far, so Really, uh, really excited Be be ready, folks, at any moment You'll see a social media post Could be any time in the next few weeks now With a, a new little guy Coming into the world, new little, uh, Bacola So, keep, uh, keep us in your thoughts and prayers All, all I, I just I just want every, I just want Stephanie and Baby to come out healthy And, uh, and that's the uh, only thing I'm worried about So, I just 
I want everybody to come out healthy and I'll be ha- I'll be a, a very very happy daddy. World Series and it's unbelievable the run that the Washington Nationals are on right now. They are I was going to wait till the end of the game. I'm they're up right now in the bottom of the 8th inning uh, the bottom of the 8th inning in game 2 of the World Series. They're up 11 to 2 on the road at Houston. They're about to go up two games to zero. And in game 1 they beat Cole, he gave up five earned runs, five hits, and he had a two-run lead. Houston scored two runs in the first off Scherzer. They got up two to zero right off the bat. Washington's come comes back though. They score one in the second, one in the fourth, and then three in the fifth. They won that game five to four. Their bullpen was really good. They got Corbin to come in for an inning. And then basically they've only been using Rainey, Hudson, and Doolittle And that's all they used again And it got to Rainey So keep in mind that the Washington Nationals Were down in the wild card game In order to have to get into the playoffs They were down with Josh Hader coming in in the 8th inning They came back and won that game They were down 2 games to 1 in a best of 5 series To the Dodgers who were the best team in the National League Who had won the most games in the National League Throughout the year who set all sorts of records they came back and beat the Dodgers in multiple games And in game 5 Washington was down 3-1 against the Dodgers They won that game Since that Since winning They won game 4 against the Dodgers Game 5 against the Dodgers They have swept the St. Louis Cardinals 4 in a row So that's 6 consecutive wins And then 2 more wins right now it looks like They won game 1 against the Astros And they are up 11-2 to In game 2 So this is what the Washington Nationals just did They won two games on the road against Houston And in those two games They beat Cole and Verlander Verlander gave up Seven hits, four earned runs Now this is what Where I I have a tough time Like Verlander's awesome Cole is awesome They had a bad game Are we going to say they're not clutch Because they had a bad game in the World Series Even though they are the reason Why this Astro One of the reasons why this Astros team is here They helped carry them all the way through No what if Cole comes back and has another bad game in this series? Are we going to say he's he he's not clutch? He chokes. That's why pitching in the playoffs or just playoff numbers are really tough because it's such a small sample size for a game that is based on such a large sample size. This Washington Nationals team is going up two games to nothing now on the road, unless the Houston Astros can come back and score nine runs in the. Uh, in the bottom of the ninth Sometimes it's just your year You know you have the, some of those numbers Like um, Like that one The Astros were 28-0 and 0 When they scored more than one run in the first inning And then last night they did and they lost So that was the first time this year Where they scored multiple runs in the first inning Unbelievable run That the Washington Nationals are on right now And congratulations to them I mean I'm not counting this Astros team Out ever but you go up two games to none on the road With the kind of run that the Nationals have been on With the kind of pitching staff that they have With you know the production they've been getting From Soto And from you know Rendon Who actually has struggled a little bit to start this series But he helped carry them there it Might just be the year for the Washington Nationals Before we get into the NBA talk, I want to let you know about a DFS app for prop bets. It's called Thrive Fantasy. 
And I have teamed up with Thrive Fantasy So right now I'm offering you a, a nice little bonus If you go download and make a deposit And you only have to deposit 10 bucks. Go right now, sign up And it'll ask you to enter a promo code Enter the promo code GINO, G-I-N-O And then deposit 10 bucks. If you deposit 10 or over You'll get a $10 bonus right back And then you can you can mess around it's basically like a DFS, you know how most DFS, you know, you see DraftKings or FanDuel or uh, you'll, you know, you see Stable Duel, but we'll talk about uh, a little later. Um, they have a salary cap base. Well, this is a little bit different. You are picking ten of their prop bets, so they have a prop. You pick, um, you know, over or under or what side of the prop that you like, and. Each side is assigned a certain amount of points. So you go through, you you know, you figure out which sides of which props will give you the opportunity to get the most points. You try to select them all the way through. You pick a couple in case of emergency picks, in, uh, in case some some of your players uh, don't play, don't get in, have some kind of an injury or, or an issue. It's a, a lot of fun. And right now, give it a try because you can get a, a ten dollar bonus credit just by using that promo code G I N O N B A. God, I love basketball. I'm so happy that basketball is back. Huge NBA fan. And we got a great opening night to the NBA with the first off Pelicans Raptors. And we got the Raptors uh, championship ceremony, which was so weird, right? When they're getting their championship rings and their ceremony and Kawhi's not there, who's like the main part of that championship. And then for someone like me, who's a, a Laker fan, it's the Pelicans in the opener where it's... Somebody said it on Twitter best. It's like the Laker fans right now getting to see their like their ex girlfriend and then their current girlfriend. You know, right back, right back to back because you get the Pelicans game where I love Lonzo, I love Ingram, I love Josh Hart. Um, when a lot of times when you have rookies on your team and you see these kids get drafted and then you follow through their development you you know you like them a lot you know them very well you feel super invested i saw a lot of them play in the summer league games in vegas so i'm i'm always rooting for uh, lonzo and for josh hart and for ingram to do really well and it was a good game with the raptors the pelicans the raptors won 130 to 122 and we we will see how good pascal siakam can be he got the big extension we we saw a lot of people get paid over the weekend too. Um, Jalen Brown got a nice contract. Uh, Buddy Heald, another one. Some of these players that are due for extension soon got got their uh, uh, their extensions coming up. So they they're paid already. No issues about uh, their future. Siakam at thirty four points, eighteen rebounds, and five assists, and he's you know hoping. To uh, just step right into that Kawhi Leonard role Especially when you get someone like OG Ananubi Back who could kind of be like last year's Siakam Oh, Ananubi was so good last year before he got hurt And he's one other one of those similar Kind of like do-it-all type um, He had 11 points and, and 7 rebounds and a couple blocks And Van Fleet I mean, what else can you say about Van Fleet Who was 12 for 18, he had 5 threes And he had 34 points I think this Raptors team, honestly Is going to be very solid it's a weak East this year. And their over under is 46. I mean, they have a very good chance to be one of the top four teams in the East, even after losing Kawhi and Danny Green. They still have a good team. I mean, McMarcus All had a really bad game, but you can run the offense through him and Kyle Lowry. They're not tip top superstars anymore, but they're in a, you know, they're very, very solid players still. And then Siakam is a budding superstar. 
And, you know, they have you know, about seven, eight deep with with just solid rotation players and players who have experience. They were there last year. You'll hear me say this a lot throughout this podcast. The East is not good. Pelicans, such a bummer with Zion, unfortunately. Uh, we know Zion got injured and he had to have surgery and he's going to be out six to eight weeks at least. And that's just, he, I, if, when Zion got drafted over one, number one overall and like all through college and his one year of college, all through college, I didn't think he was going to be as good as everybody else did. And even it was just preseason, he immediately showed that he was going to be able to be a, a force. And I hope the injuries aren't a part of of his career. We've seen injuries just decimate careers of some really great players throughout time. And I, I hope we get to see Zion back in full force not too long. Because um, this New Orleans Pelican team was such a fun team that everybody was talking about. Everybody, There was so much buzz about them as, man, they have a lot of young talent now. Is this a team that could maybe sneak in and like battle for a, a, a back end of a, the playoffs and you know, with Ingram and Lonzo and Holiday, they got Redick. But now taking Zion out of the mix is really going to hurt them. I like this team, though. They're fun to watch. And notice now that the Laker, former Lakers that are not on the Lakers anymore, now everyone starts to talk about, oh, Brandon Ingram's pretty good. Lonzo's not bad. Oh, he's better than I thought. It's like, oh, yeah. These players were good last year, too. They're getting better. They're improving. Everybody just loves to hate on the Lakers more than anything, which is a great transition as we go in because the Lakers got beat opening night. What a fun game this was, right? Oh my god, the intensity in this game. This was like a playoff game in in night one. Lakers Clippers. And the Lakers came out early and they took the first swing and they punched hard. They got up to a huge lead right off the bat. And Davis and LeBron came out firing And then I think what happened is I think they were Everybody's trying to talk about That they weren't really pumped up for this game Both teams were so fired up The crowd was fired up And I think that ended up hurting Both teams in certain spots Throughout the game And in particular I think the Lakers a little bit more Because they're a little more Top heavy than the Clippers In particular when The Lakers are missing Kuzma, Rondo, and Caruso who are, who are players that will help fill out the bench And then the Clippers are missing Paul George Who will obviously make them a lot, a lot, lot better A lot better And he'll help them fill out their team even more And it'll, I'll, I'm kind of curious to see how they'll, they'll all fit I'm sure that when Paul George comes back He'll have like a week or two of, of adjustment And just kind of figuring out how he will, and Kawhi will play And then when Lou Williams comes in How they'll they'll all work But I mean if the Clippers can close games In some When when George is, is healthy again If they can close games with Mont- With Trez Montrez Kawhi, Paul George Lou Williams And like Shamit That might be a tough lineup Or maybe Pat Pat Beverly I mean, although it's like you get a lot more offense from Shamit there, and obviously you get a lot more defense. But like they have some options. And you get Harkless, who can, who obviously he, Harkless played very well last night defensively. He was excellent. And I, I'm as a Laker fan, I am not disappointed in one sense by this. This was a great game. And what I liked is 
So the Clippers punched back hard in the in the second quarter. They scored 40 points in the second quarter, and Kawhi was just incredible. And you know, when you look at the shot chart for some of Kawhi's shot makes, because he had 20 points in the first half and he just dominated that second quarter, he made some really tough shots where KCP is not good and he did not play well last night. And and Kawhi can get a shot over KCP probably at any point. But KCP was actually playing some good defense on some of those shots, and Kawhi just was better offense. He was great. This is what happens in the NBA, you know. Some nights when you when the when the better team stars show up, that's generally who wins. And last night, Davis and LeBron showed up early. Then it, it felt like it was a combination of Doc Rivers making some really good adjustments, great coach, and Frank Vogel. Not making really good adjustments and not figuring out his rotation yet. Couple, you know, as we mentioned, I don't think missing Paul George didn't feel like it really hurt the Clippers a whole lot last night because they have a team that, you know, besides Kawhi, was pretty familiar with each other for the most part. There's not a whole lot of new. Pieces now the Lakers have a lot of new pieces So they're very talented it'll probably Take a little while for them to gel I don't Even think it'll take that long for them to gel This is just a tough these were just Two really good teams going at it I mean you look at the final score and the Clippers win this game By 12 they deserve to win they out hustled The Lakers in this game and they're And when you look at Anthony Davis and LeBron stat lines You know when Davis shoots 8 for 21 And LeBron shoots 7 for 19 The Lakers aren't going to win very many games even when Danny Green goes off and has a great game. 10 for 14. Danny Green, he he really kept the Lakers in this game. And that's, you know, I, I'm thinking, and, you know, Avery Bradley played pretty well. He got into some foul trouble early on, and that, I think, hurt some of his minutes. But I think the Lakers have a couple of these fa- uh, veterans that people weren't giving them enough credit for. I think there's a little more depth to the Lakers when they're whole. They're not deep enough to be missing Kuzma, who's, you know, one of their top four players, right? He he's going to be a guy that's going to get you fifteen to twenty off the bench. So that's really where they were hurting because when the Clippers brought in their bench, which is one of the best benches in the league, you are going to have to be a team that's going to be uh, have to be at full strength to compete. And the Clippers weren't at full strength at all. You know they're they're missing Paul George, but again, I think when he comes in, it's actually it's not going to be a negative for them in the long run, but it's going to take a little while. I think to mix in someone like Paul George with Kawhi, because then you're putting two high usage players in the mix. You know, um, I, it felt like Davis and and uh, and LeBron both got a little tired late, and I think some of it had to do with LeBron. He had to handle the ball a lot, and we, you know, we talk about is LeBron going to play point guard this year, and and how is he going to play? Like what what position wise? But I th- what hurt was. And I'm not saying that these are two players that are the the best players in the league, but we're talking backup guards, and they didn't have Caruso and they didn't have Rondo. And I do not like Rondo. I'm not a big fan of his, and I don't want either one of them to play 25 or 30 minutes. You know, maybe Caruso if he's able to play well. He played awful in the preseason though, um, and we don't know if Caruso can play in big games yet. All the Caruso we've seen has been in, in garbage games for the Lakers, to be honest. You know, so I'm not expecting a lot out of. Out of you know Rondo or even Caruso But just 10 minutes To give uh, LeBron a little bit of a breather As far as bringing the ball up the court And just an uh, Kuzma in there Just as another guy who can kind of He can create his own shot Right he's not necessarily A, a playmaker 
He's gotten a little bit better at that And to be honest We don't think about Kuzma when it comes to defense But if you look up his numbers defensively He's actually very competent when it comes to guarding wings He's not good when it comes to guarding bigs because he's not really big, but he's actually deceivingly quick. So he can keep his, he can move his feet and stay in front of players. I didn't, I'm not saying he was going to shut down Kawhi. Danny Green played Kawhi very, very well. If you look at all the numbers last night, he, um, Kawhi was struggled against Danny Green and then was excellent when, uh, when he was against KCP and others. Fun game, fun atmosphere. If you're a Clipper fan, you should be super pumped. You're going to have a great team. And you're going to get Paul George back And I think if you're a Laker fan you should be super pumped Because you're going to have a great team You have a couple players coming coming back And I think both of these teams are probably still going to get a veteran Somewhere in the buyout market Though they, We were able to see That these teams Both do have some weaknesses though Whereas The Lakers are probably Like a player and a half away What I mean by that is I think the Lakers probably need another wing To help them defend in particular, and I think they need another ball handler. But between Caruso and Rondo, they might be able to get that half. <laughs> so that's why I remember one and a half. I don't know if that the wing player is there, and that's why we keep hearing about Iguodala. Or you know, I feel like both of these teams are going to be high targets for veterans who are on bad teams who want to go try to play for a contender and who get bought out early. We saw the Lakers. Um, um, Tackle this last year with Tyson Chandler Who actually helped them win a couple games early on in the year So oh, they, These two teams are going to be fun They're going to be good I cannot wait for the rest of the season And I hope I hope we get a series A Clippers-Lakers series That would just be so fun If they were healthy The atmosphere in Staples Center was incredible It was all Laker fans Really like Laker noise really at the beginning Cheering, yelling, screaming, booing at Kawhi And then at the end of the game When the Clippers played well It was definitely the Clipper Fan, there were Clipper fans and Clipper cheers and Clipper chants more than you have ever heard before, and this will be, this will be fun. It really will, and I'm, I'm just as confident as a Laker fan in that they will have a very good year, and they, if healthy, will be there at the end after last night's game because it just felt like punch, 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 and the game was tied to start the fourth quarter, and then there were three consecutive possessions for the Lakers. Where it was Turnover LeBron with a terrible missed layup And then a turnover And the Clippers scored on those three possessions And it went from a tie game to the Clippers up 7 In the 4th quarter and that was basically the game The Clippers were able to kind of just um, Keep the margin You know With you know in between 5 to 10 For for most of the the rest of the game And that just felt like that just did not feel like uh, an opening game. I loved it as a, obviously I loved the game. Didn't love the result as a Laker fan, but I was not too upset with what happened. LeBron said after the game, he's like, "Man, I was a little tired. I haven't played a game in this intensity for a while. Remember, no playoffs, um, no towards the end of last year. The only games that LeBron was playing in, they didn't matter. The Lakers were already out of it after his injury. So, yeah, he was. I think he was winded. I think." They came out so high All you know The Clippers for sure They were pumped They wanted to win this game You could tell Doc was coaching They were like this was a playoff game LeBron played 36 minutes Anthony Davis played 37 minutes And then the Clippers had You know what Kawhi played 32 Bev played 31 Trez played 38 And Lou Williams played 37 So they were early on already Like playing playing this game to win 
Can't wait till these two teams hook up again I would say Just from a pure like wagering Standpoint Keep an eye on the next Two times these these teams play The Lakers Play on, on Friday at U, um, Against Utah And the Clippers play on Thursday Against uh, Golden State I feel like because they both Came out so high on that opening night And they both Really Wanted to get the win Might be a A tough game For both Just come out a little bit flat after They both wanted to win this game quite a bit Just emotionally after everything that happened Throughout the offseason with Kawhi spurning the Lakers And going to the Clippers And now the battle over LA And you know Jerry West is in the mix And this and that They both, both these teams wanted this game bad And I think they both might come out a little bit flat Like I wouldn't be shocked to see The Warriors beat the Clippers And then the the Jazz Beat the Lakers And then I think for the Lakers Things are going to get very Uh I don't want to say easy, but their schedule is a lot more favorable. You can lose to any team in the NBA at any time, but the Lakers will, after the Jazz, they play the Jazz at home on Friday, and and then you have like a 15 to 20 game stretch where it should be no excuse. It's a good, still going to be a learning Process for the Lakers trying to figure each other out Trying to figure out you know Which which to me it's which rotation Right like last night you can't have KCP Playing 27 minutes and going 0 for 3 And he unfortunately Wasn't like playing incredible defense on Kawhi Because Kawhi he was trying He will really give him that he was trying But he just has become a player That is so Uh Bad in any time they've they've needed him over the last few years, and so the fan base is really starting to give has completely kind of given up on KCP. Okay, so the schedule for the Lakers: Utah Friday, then they play Charlotte on Sunday, who might be the worst team in the league. Uh, Memphis da- at Dallas, at San Antonio, at Chicago. So you have three games on the road, but you know Dallas should be okay, San Antonio should be okay, Chicago I think will be improved a little bit this year, and then you Miami, Toronto. At Phoenix, Golden State, Sacramento, Atlanta, OKC, at OKC, Memphis, San Antonio, New Orleans, Washington, Dallas. Like you're talking about after Utah, you're going to go on like a 15 game stretch basically until the start of December where you're not playing any teams that are supposed to be the top teams in the league. So you really like have to. To, even if you lose to Utah, you really have to bounce back in like Charlotte, Memphis, uh, Dallas, San Antonio, Chicago, Miami. Those are all games that the Lakers really should be able to. Like, they should be competitive. They should not. They don't have a lot of tough games coming up early on that schedule. So um, that's what's tough is you when you watch LeBron teams, they generally don't start fast because he kind of it starts a little slow. It's a feeling out process. I feel like it'll be a little bit different this year. So uh, yeah. Lakers, Clippers, be excited It's going to be a lot of fun this year And for the Lakers in particular It's going to be a lot different than it was the last few years And for the Clippers, this is going to be a lot different Than it's ever been for you Because this is the first time, in my opinion Really, that the Clippers legitimately have a chance To win an NBA title And they deserve to be on the short list of contenders Some weaknesses, right? I'm not going to act like they're 
com- a complete whole team. I think for them, their weakness is they might, and when Paul George comes back, we'll see. They might need a little bit more, like a little bit more scoring, especially in games where I'm not sure how the rotation is going to work with getting Lou Williams in the game. Because if Lou is in, is he running the point? Is he handling the ball, or is he more off the ball? Which is fine, but if he's up in the, in the corner, you know, as just a a three guy, you're kind of limiting what he does, and then you can kind of attack him defensively. But you know, maybe they make up for that in other ways defensively because they're they're such a well balanced defensive team. I think their main weakness is uh, just a big. I think they need another big because you could if the Lakers play were able they were very well coached and they they just completely shut out any opportunity of the Lakers um, like running pick and roll, which the Lakers really succeeded on, and we'll we will expect to see them succeed throughout the year with Davis and LeBron. They yeah, I say the Clippers need another big. Okay, let's quickly rattle through the rest of the league, and we'll we'll talk about uh, some of the players on uh, on each team. For the Hawks, they are projected. They're over under somewhere between 33 and a half, 34 on the projections. I look. Uh, that's their total, their win total. If you wanted to bet it um, around there, and for the projections that I looked at, they they had them around 30. They're kind of a young, like hot, buzzy team this year because they were good at the end of the year. They were very competitive. Um, Trey Young had an excellent second half of the season Collins is really, really good If you don't know John Collins He um, is just a young big who is blossoming He had a 63% true shooting mark last year And he hit 70% of his shots at the rim And uh, he showed the, uh, the ability to stroke the three a little bit too Now, he... If he takes another step forward, you know, you add him with Young and with Herter, who's a, a great shooter. They got Hunter earlier this year. That's a solid core of a young four. What I worry about with them is you throw, like, they also add Cam Reddish in the mix too, excuse me. They have some veterans there who I worry about a little bit from like the veteran usage and from how they'll mesh. And that's like Jabari Parker and Evan Turner and Alan Crabb. I like Vince Carter on their squad, but those three veterans. I'm not sure how they'll mix and match with the youngsters. They're a fun team to watch, though. And uh, I, I'd, if they're at 33, 30, like that just feels like pretty spot on. That I only like would would like li- like lean towards four or five different of the uh, the over unders. But Hawks Hawks should have some some fun this year. Things are looking up for them. The Celtics. We're gonna go alphabetical order for the rest of the way through. The Celtics will probably be like a middle tier team in a really weak East. I th- I think they're like a four or five. I wouldn't be shocked if they got as high as the three seed, but I, I don't think they're going to be better than Milwaukee or Philadelphia. And um, you know they they lost Kyrie. I think their big loss that you know even worse, even more than Kyrie is the one that gets talked about is is Horford who helps him so much defensively and is just such a good like veteran leader who can stretch the floor, play great D, shoot the 3. So it'll be for Boston all about the young guys. Can Tatum take the next step? Can Brown take the next step? And then can Hayward get back to his all-star level uh you know with a little more time now after the injury. Kemba will I think will be Kemba this just doesn't look like a, a 
championship roster to me. They look like a yeah, like a a four seed in the East. Maybe they win a playoff series. I just I don't think they're better than Milwaukee or Philly, and they're they're a move or two away. And they just paid Jalen Brown. I don't really like Cantor at center. I think they're going to have a lot of weird kind of funky lineups where they're playing very very small, and they could get picked on by a team like Philadelphia in particular. A lot of these teams, as I'm recording this, are like literally playing right now or playing later this later tonight. So I'm not going to talk a whole lot about the Wednesday night of the NBA. But we'll, you know, every every show we'll kind of catch up with uh, with what's happened the next couple of days, and maybe we'll preview some games moving forward. The Brooklyn Nets, a lot of hype about this team because Durant's there. But remember, Durant will probably not play all year long. Kyrie is going to be teamed up with a good young nucleus. Lavert, people like uh, like quite a bit. I think Joe uh, Harris has become a little bit overrated, but he's he's solid. Dinwiddie's good. I like Prince also. Uh, Allen is is good, but is Allen going to be compromised by DeAndre Jordan there? Who you know, DeAndre Jordan's like a name now, and I don't know how. How impactful he is If he's getting meaningful minutes on the court Nets Maybe like a bottom playoff team I mean they They'll probably be pretty close To Boston with I mean without Durant So I wouldn't be shocked to see like Brooklyn and, and Boston Like right next to each other as far as their um, Where they stand Maybe maybe Boston a couple games uh, ahead of Brooklyn um, Yeah Brooklyn's Over under for wins is like 43 uh, and a half, 44 and a half. I'm seeing some spots. And on the projections I looked at, they have them getting to uh, um, either 41 and 43. So I looked at a couple different different projection sites. The Hornets, I think, might be the worst team in the league. They, in a really crazy stat, they lost their only two double digit shot attempters and four. Of their projected starters posted four of the 55 lowest usage rates among players who logged at least 20 minutes a game last year. They're just bad. I mean, you go through their their roster, it is not good. They lost Kemba and they basically f- filled in with Terry Rozier. They need Monk to take another step forward. Uh, Bridges, PJ Washington. This is just not a good NBA roster, top to bottom. Nick Batum apparently is hurt now. One of the worst teams in the league. I, I would. I think this team is going to be really, really bad. Sorry. Sorry, Charlotte. I like the Bulls a little bit this year. Their projected win... I, I would go over in their projected win totals. 33 and a half. 30, I'm seeing 32. And if you can get 32 and a half for sure, uh, I'd go over on that one. I like Marklin. I like Levine. Otto Porter Jr. Sadoransky. That young. couple of nice veterans that aren't like... The difference between I think some of these veterans and maybe the veterans on Atlanta are the Atlanta veterans are a little bit more of like want the ball, dominate the ball, and these like Otto Porter will slide in nicely, do whatever you need. Sadoransky, same type of thing. Uh, Thad Young, you know, he he'll you know score twenty for you one night, but then he'll go three games and and he'll take two shots each game. So I like the way this team is built. I think they could sneak into the bottom of the playoffs. I think they'll they'll be competitive in what is a weak. Eastern Conference, the Bulls. Yeah, the Cavs are going to be really bad. Uh, their over unders are 24, 24 and a half. The projections I see were like 23 and then 26. The The worry I have with the Cavs is they don't, I don't know if they have enough playmakers. 
They have good guards, but they're very me first guards and me first like dominant players in Sexton and Garland. Even Clarkson's that way, who kind of comes off the bench. If Kevin Love, you know, plays well and plays to the old Kevin Love that we know, that helps his team quite a bit. But I still think this is a really young roster. I think Kevin Love is probably, you know, someone that you, you look to trade at some point through this year and just continue on the rebuild with this young group of with Seti Osman. Another another group with a couple of my former Lakes, uh, Clarkson and, and Nance, who are fine bench players. KPJ, Kevin Porter Jr., rookie out of USC. I think, you know, he's young. He's very raw. He's a very high ceiling, low floor type player who um, just going to be real inconsistent, at least for a year or two. Dallas Mavericks are projected to be right around 500. I think their uh, win total, their over under was like 40 and a half, 41, I saw. Their projections on um, on a five thirty eight were actually really high. They were fifty. Another the other couple sites I looked at were like forty four, and then I think forty two. So the five thirty eight had them really high. It'll all be you know Doncic and, and Porzingis, and I think with a healthy Porzingis, yeah, this team could be a, a playoff team. They'd have a nice one two punch. Tim Hardaway Jr. gives them a little bit of scoring. Uh, I like Seth Curry. He's a good shooter. Can help stretch. I don't know if they're going to be deep enough in a in a pretty you know strong West, but they need huge years from Doncic taking the next step, which I think he can do. He's unbelievable. And then Porzingis, you know, that's why this team is tough to gauge because it a lot will be built uh, will be based on can he stay healthy. Like so many of these teams, you know, the Lakers and Clippers we look at right when we talked at the beginning. If LeBron or Anthony Davis gets hurt, they're in trouble. But if you look over on the Clippers side, like they're playing without Paul George and they played very well last night. But do I think that, you know, and I'm sure if you're a Clipper fan, you'd probably say the same. They're an NBA championship team with Paul George and Kawhi Leonard. I don't know if they are without one of the two. Right? And you that's how like every team's that way. No, most teams are not going to win the championship or like be good enough to compete at the top level without their stars. I'm a little down on the Nuggets this year. I would play their under. Um, it's they're fifty two and a half, fifty three and a half, some places. Like that's to me, that's a little high. I thought things broke really well for them last year. I like Nokic quite, uh, Jokic, Nokic, uh, Jokic quite a bit. He did look a little pudgy in the that picture that was floating around in the uh, the preseason. You know, it's the same team that's coming back from last year, and they have Michael Porter Jr., but he feels like he's, I think, going to be really, really needing some playing time to get back into to a groove. And what I don't trust Murray enough to be like the other guy here. I, st- I feel like this team is still a player away. Millsap's getting a little bit older. He's fine. Uh, Grant is a good addition, that should help. I don't think they're going to be a bad team. I think they'll be a playoff team, but I think they'll be on the bottom half of the. Of, I see a lot of people that are picking them to be like a, a one seed or a two seed. I think they'll be more like a five through eight seed. I don't think they'll be bad. I'm worried with Jokic a little bit. He had a long season into the playoffs last year, and then he played international, and now he's come back and he has to carry their team. We talk about teams that would be in trouble with one of their stars getting injured. They'd be in some serious trouble without Jokic. He runs the offense for them, and he 
Like, it really, everything goes through him. He's incredible, and he had an unbelievable playoff series. He just—I feel like defensively, you can still you can still pick on him, but yeah, not I'm just not as high, I guess, as, as some others on the on Denver. Detroit, we'll we'll see how long Blake Griffin's going to be out, at least for uh, like a week or two. It looks like they're a team that is projected to be under 500, but is like talk. Probably still right in the mix for uh, a bottom playoff spot. I just wonder about like their wing. I just don't feel like on paper they have enough to be like a true contender to be a team that makes it into the playoffs in the uh, in the East. Sure, right? They just need Blake Griffin to be unbelievable, and if he's already banged up a little bit, then you're counting a lot on Drummond and Reggie Jackson. Um, you know, I'm. What are you gonna get out of Derrick Rose? I think they're they'll probably be. They get, it's just it's so hard to predict with this team when we already have seen that Griffin's gonna be out for a little bit. The Golden State Warriors, they definitely have some holes, and um, they're not a deep big team, and they're gonna just need a lot out of Curry. And defense on the perimeter is where I'm, I'm worried about them also Now you have D'Angelo And Steph Curry in the backcourt D'Angelo Russell You have Draymond Green Who now is going to have to be kind of guarding People a little bit more because you don't have Duran around and you don't have Clay around And remember Duran and Clay would, was regarding the other team's best players a lot of the time And then Draymond could kind of Float and help out And now Draymond's going to have to take those assignments And it's just going to overall hurt their defense overall quite a bit They'll be fun some nights And D'Angelo and, and Curry will have some nights Where they're both going off Or like one of them just goes crazy And they'll carry them and, and beat teams And I think they'll be over 500 I would not be shocked if this team does, uh, misses the playoffs Especially if Clay The word is that Clay's not coming back And I don't know why they would push him to come back in, Unless they're you know in line, like unless they have a great season or they're having a great, because even then it's like I don't know if you push him to come back. They're gonna need some from Looney, from Willie Cauley Stein, from Chris. The Rockets are another team that I'd also go under on. I I think they'll probably be like a three, maybe like you know, I wouldn't be shocked if they're a five through eight seed, kind of like Denver. Harden's gonna be good. He's you know you're gonna win games because of him. But with Westbrook, I just don't know what this mix mesh is going to be like. And I feel like there are going to be a couple times throughout the season where things don't go well. Westbrook is not a good shooter. I have not liked what I've seen from Clint Capella the last couple years. He does not seem to be moving forward. Uh, Tucker has to play a ton of minutes, and he's really really versatile. He's like one of the most important players on their team. I don't think this is a very deep team. I don't really love their bench a whole heck of a lot. There's a weird mo- like vibe with Mike D'Antoni there with like a lot of his coaches got fired and he might be on the hot seat. He's kind of even mentioned it and joked around about it a little bit. Their win total was like 54, 53 and a half, 54. And I I would go slightly under with them. Really would. The Pacers they're another team that's really tough because what's what about Oladipo? When's he coming back? How long is he going to be out? I like the addition of Brogdon. I like the addition of Warren. They locked down Sabonis. They added Lamb. But those additions are good role players, good pieces. They still don't have a star right now, and they need to be carried by either Turner 
or Sabonis. I don't know if Brogdon has it in him to carry a team like offensively and he's more of like a playmaker, Swiss Army knife type who's good de- on defense and can do a little bit of everything. Can they float, stay afloat and hang around until Oladipo gets back? They should be able to in uh they, they played well without Oladipo, you know, even last year. But no Bogdanovich, I think that might hurt them just from like an an overall playmaking standpoint. Their total is actually 46 and a half. I mean, I'd go slightly under on that. I still I still think they're a playoff team in a, in the as I mentioned over and over again, the weak east. So we talked uh, Clippers and Lakers already. The Grizzlies are a fun young team, but they look like they're just uh, so young. And this is a team that will probably have Iguodala as a, a buyout candidate who you imagine will probably go to the Lakers or the Clippers, one of those two. But it's going to be Ja Morant, Jackson Jr. And, I mean, th- if those two can play to their tip-top, this will be a fun team to watch moving forward. I mean, they're so far away though, and they're going to be one of the teams in the West that you just feel like will probably be, be getting beat up on because they're so young. I mean, they don't have a whole lot of Valanciunas, Brooks, Anderson, and Crowder. Uh, Clark is another one I like. I, I like Melton, you know, from SC. Clark is another really good defender. He had a great summer league, really good tournament in college last year down the stretch. Young team. Pretty far away. Heater, the Miami Heater, really well coached. But when your number one is Jimmy Butler, how far can he take you? With Butler, they have Adebayo, Winslow, Drogic, Linick. Lots of good buzz about the rookie, Tyler Harrow. Can shoot the lights out. A little bigger than you, you would think, too. A little more athletic, too. They're at 44, 44 and a half. That's right on. That is right on. You know, they're like a five like a five through eight playoff team who, if things broke right for them, maybe a top four playoff team in the East. The Bucks are gonna be battling it out, I think, with uh with Philly for the top two spots in the East. On I mean, they just really look like they have the best two rosters in uh what has become really imbalanced between the East and the Western conferences. Giannis, Middleton, Bledsoe, Brooke Lopez So a lot of what they had last year That helped them make that uh, Eastern Conference Finals run Where they lost to the eventual winner The Toronto Raptors And they add Wes Matthews And they add Robin Lopez They did lose Brogdon So very similar on a roster to last year it, It'll it be about Giannis continuing his ascent And You know how how does he take a neck? Does he have a chip on his shoulder? Does he continue? He's so young and he's so good. Can he improve his three, his game a little bit, and uh, improve that jumper, improve the free throw shooting that hurt him a little bit in the playoffs last year? Top two team in the East, uh, and they'll be really tough as long as the Greek freak is healthy. The Timberwolves, I just, I'm not a big fan of Carl Anthony Towns. And I'm definitely not a big fan of Wiggins And and when those are your two Centralized figures On the squad I just I just think that these are the wrong two to, to try to build your team around I haven't seen enough from Towns In games that matter As far as playing defense I think he kind of hangs out a little bit too much uh, On the perimeter 
The Wolves, I'm worried about a little bit. They're they're over under 35 and a half. Their actual projected wins is on a couple sites. There's like I'm seeing 36, 40, and then I see a 48, which that just feels really high. Covington, Teague, Culver, Okogie, those are some positive. Like I've I've just never been a Teague fan either. Yeah, not not a huge Minnesota. Yeah, and, or or like their chances as far as getting into the playoffs. Talked about the Pelicans earlier. What a hodgepodge of a roster that the Knicks put together. They missed out on the big free agents. Didn't get Kyrie. Didn't get Durant. And they signed just a bunch of power forwards. <laughs> I love Julius Randle, and he's going to have a great year for them. He's going to score a lot of points. He's going to be a great fantasy player. He, he might be an all star in the East. And so they added Randle, Morris. Peyton, Bobby Portis, Bullock, Todd Gibson. And when you put them with Barrett, Smith, Mitchell Robinson, Knox, and Frankie uh, Nidalina, Frankie Smokes, it's just a weird group. I feel like there are. What I like what the Knicks did, though, they didn't lock anybody up long term, all short deals. It's just weird because they're. If they. Are they going to stunt the growth of some of these young players? I feel like a lot of these players, like. A team could use a Julius Randle A team could use uh, a Morris A team could probably use a Peyton Like Lakers could use a Peyton Probably to help them right now As a backup guard OKC What's going to happen with OKC and and Chris Paul Will be like the big theme of this year Is Chris Paul going to be around Or are they going to be getting rid of him Gallinari, they add Shea Gilgis-Alexander With Steven Adams and Roberson Schroeder I mean you look at this team and how quickly things changed for them They felt like they were like ride or die With Russell Westbrook and Paul George for a while And then all of a sudden Paul George Gets talked into demanding a trade And then all of a sudden You trade Westbrook and within like a week You you, you, you lost Your franchise players A couple I don't know, yeah and Then you get Chris Paul who Maybe he can at least help kind of mentor Shea who a lot of people are high on I'm Not quite as high on Shea as many were but I do think this will be a good year for Adams, a good year for Gallinari. You know, some fantasy, as far as fantasy stuff is concerned. And I don't think they're going to be com- completely like a doormat. And as Chris Paul's healthy, they're going to be competitive in games. Like this is not a bad roster. They're just if Chris Paul's your number one, can, how long can you count on him carrying your team? You know, there's inevitably going to be a spurt where he's probably injured for like 20 games, and that that's probably when they're going to be in some trouble. The Magic have a pretty similar roster from last year. A couple uh, additions. Um, they, they're taking a shot on Fultz, who, you know what? That's a smart way and a smart player to take a chance on because some some like places like Orlando, maybe you're not going to get a big free agent to come sign with you, but if you take a shot on someone like that who is thought of as damaged goods and he's able to bounce back, it's kind of like the money ball approach, right? Adaminu, um, Isaac, they need to take another step. And, you know, it's a lot about Vuzovic and Gordon. In the East, this is a playoff team. They're a 500 team. And they're, uh, you know, probably a five through eight playoff team. Philly looks like they're going to be one of the best teams in the league. They, they might be a trade or like a piece away. I'm not sure how all their pieces are going to fit. But just from a, a starting five where it's Embiid, Simmons, Tobias Harris, 
Richardson, and Horford. That is an excellent starting five. They have a lot of versatility there with Horford. Um, when Embiid's out of the game, even that'll help them quite a bit, and they'll have the opportunity, I think, to kind of just throw different lineups at you. I'm not sure if they have quite enough shooting. There's a lot of buzz about uh, Thibel, who's supposed to be an excellent defender, Pac-12 guy, real like lockdown type D. So they're going to be a very, very good team in the East. They're going to beat up on teams that are not quite as good. In a series, though, do they feel like they're like a shooter away? They might be. <laughs> they might be like a JJ Reddick away who you know, left blows. Could be a key piece uh, losing for them I think the Suns are going to be better This year than people uh, are projecting Their over under was like 28 and a half Their projected rotation wins I saw on two different places Their projected wins on two different places Were over 40 They If you like Booker This is a no excuses year for him I don't think they're a playoff team But they should be closer to 500 Than they should be to their over-under of 28 and a half Because they have Booker, they have Aiton now Right, so they have They're two young franchise cornerstones And then you add to them A point guard and Ricky Rubio Who can help get Booker the ball You have Saric, Ubre Jr Who's good Bridges, Baines is a very good defender Kaminsky also I think Just helps a little bit off the bench Another body This is not a hopeless Phoenix team that's what makes the West pretty tough Is that, you know, you have teams like this who like Phoenix, who's probably one of the bottom West teams like Minnesota, who's projected to be a bottom a bottom West team Those teams can beat anybody on any given night They're not consistent enough to, to win throughout But they can beat you They have enough talent to beat you Portland I'm a little worried about Portland Because I, I love Nurkic so much I think he's such a big key to their success And he's going to be out for a while And I don't know if Whiteside filling in will help Love Lilliard. He's probably my favorite non-Laker player uh, currently. McCollum had an excellent playoff run. And then Hood was really good. Collins, Baysmore. Like, I hope Whiteside doesn't get in the way of, of Collins, who's who's good. They feel like they might be a team that kind of takes a little bit of a step back this year. They were in the Western Conference Finals last year, remember, and then Dame got hurt. I think right towards the bottom. And maybe a, a surprise team that doesn't make the playoffs But if I had to, I'd always bet on Dame getting them in there So I'm thinking like 7 or 8 seed Sacramento Kings, will be they'll be trying And Luke Walton's up there now with the Kings Fox might be a franchise player I love Bogdanovich And they have a couple nice veterans now too They just paid Buddy Heald You have Barnes up there You throw uh, D-Wayne Deadman, Ariza, and Joseph as Pieces, those are pieces on a team That you need, we'll see how much Ariza has Left in the tank, I think they might Be like right under 500 And really a team that That's like a tough Tough play each and every night Their their totals are like 37 and a half, their projections are Pretty close to that, maybe a little over The Spurs When is this team Just gonna like have a year where they're Not a playoff team and they're Just not good or at Competent, right? It's it's all about the coaching, the system, the organization. Ironically, the organization that Kawhi left, right? But they still think, do things well. And and when you're led by Demar and and Aldridge, are you going to have enough shooting? They get Murray back, who should help them quite a bit. I know they're very high on White. Rudy Gay has been just a 
huge surprise and like rejuvenated for the Spurs. They just always seem to be there, right? And I th- that you feel like they're probably right in the like in that like five, maybe six, seven range or so. I don't think they're as good as the top teams, but they're just like a team you shake your head on. They're one who, if you told me they had a losing record though and won 35 games this year, it wouldn't surprise me because I just don't know how good that roster is. But it's just such a well-run organization that they always just overachieve. The Raptors talked about them uh, in the uh, in the opener, uh, actually in the beginning of the preview when in their game one win against the Pelicans. The Utah Jazz have an opportunity to be one of the best teams in the league. They made some really, really good offseason acquisitions. Uh, they brought in Connolly and Bogdanovich. That is, is going to really help them. Bogdanovich gives them another score there. Conley gives them someone to run the show and help get Mitchell in good spots. You know you have a good defense when you have Gobert in there right off the bat. This should be a very good regular season team. Add Joe Ingles into the mix. I still think their bench needs a little help, but they're... I'm thinking they're a top four team in the West. Their over-unders are like 53 and a half. Their uh, projection wins are like pretty close to that. I have 51, 52, and then a 55. I think they're going to be mid-50s to close to 60 win team. I think they're very well built. Now, to me, they look like a team that's a really good regular season team, and we still have questions about them in a playoff series. Because I think you add Connolly and Bogdanovich, now that does help you offensively. I'm not sure how much defensively that helps. And now does Gobert have to pick up a little more slack? Final team, the Washington Wizards. This poor team will battle, I think, for the bottom. They do have Bradley Beal, which gives them like a legitimate all-star and a legitimate play like all NBA type talent. But they're starting five of Ish Smith, Bradley Beal. Isaac Bonga, who the Lakers waved, and I like Bonga, but I'm really surprised he's starting in the NBA at this point in his career. Uh, Rui Achimura, the rookie, and Thomas Bryant, who is another former Lakers G leaguer. So they have two players starting who started on the Lakers, who were Lakers G League players, and then the last like four, three or four years. Can Isaiah Thomas help them out at all? I, are they going to be able to offload the John Wall contract at some point? This team is going to be uh, a struggle. They're going to be tough to watch this year I think they're going to be uh, pretty bad Even in a week What's what's good for some of these bad teams in the East Is that You know Once you get past the the Sixers and the Bucks There aren't a lot of other good teams in the East So at least They're not going to be facing world beaters every uh, Each and every night So pumped for the NBA And the Lakers Going to be a great season I hope uh Here's what I hope for all of all of our team's rooting interests, right? And it's inevitable. Like every team gets banged up, every team has injuries. It's like, can we just get these good teams to be as healthy as possible come playoff time? That's all I want. I, I hate when we watch playoff series that are obviously determined by injuries and by key players not being around. So let's hope uh even if they have to do a little load management throughout the year That come playoff time we get some fun series Where we get to see you know, LeBron and AD and Kawhi And Paul George and a healthy Utah team And you know the Blazers with Nurkic and Lillard like Firing all cylinders How fun would it be if the Warriors had a good season And Clay was able to come back And, and make you know that team 
a legitimate contender. The most wide open NBA season we've had in quite a while, right? Because it was all Warriors. The last five years, we knew they were like an overwhelming favorite. Prior to that, it was, you know, LeBron and his Heat teams. We generally would have a Spurs team that was always going to be right there as one of your top favorites. The Lakers teams before that. This is not the case this year. You know, there are, I think, when you look in the West, I think in the East, I can just say right now, unless there are trades, that I think there would be only two teams that I can genuinely see coming out of the East in Milwaukee or Philly. But then when you look in the West, I think it could be the Clippers. I think it could be the Lakers. I think it could be the Jazz. I wouldn't be, I don't like the Nuggets, but it wouldn't shock me. I, I don't like the Rockets, but it wouldn't shock me. I don't like the Warriors as much this year, but it wouldn't shock me. I don't like the Blazers as much, but it wouldn't shock me. I mean, so th- there are six, seven teams that you can say in the West that, based on how things go for them throughout the year, they can come out of the West. That's what makes this NBA season the most fun that I can remember. And and keep in mind that my last few years, I've been rooting for the uh, the poor Lakeys who who struggled. Okay, spoiler alert, spoiler alert, warning, warning, warning. If you've not seen the movie El Camino on Netflix, you probably want to skip this segment. And, and if you're looking for the horse racing stuff, you can just fast forward a, a little bit to the end because then we'll talk a couple of the, the Thursday plays. But we're going to go over El Camino. I'm a big Breaking Bad fan, Better Call Saul, basically everything that uh, Vince Gilligan has created. And... El Camino was kind of a secret. We didn't hear much about it or the filming of it. Nobody was talking about it. We didn't know it was being made up until uh, just, I think, a couple months ago when when a, a trailer came out. And and then we, we saw another, I think there were a few tweets first and then a trailer. And so what this is, is this is a movie that picks up immediately following Jesse Pinkman, the Aaron Paul character, like seconds after we saw him at the end of the Breaking Bad finale, right afterwards. And we see him when he's speeding away in the car, um, when he's, you know, crying and he's tortured and he's dirty and he's filthy and he's got his beard and everything. And remember, that's the last moment we see uh, Jesse. And that's the end of, you know, that's the end of Breaking Bad. But. What's great about this movie is it feels like an extended, like another episode of Breaking Bad. Um, to me, it feels like like we just got another extension. And I, I, I heard some negatives out there. Let me say this. This was not bad in any way, shape, or form. The one I knock I've heard on this movie is that it wasn't necessary. I think a lot of people wondered what happened to Jesse afterwards. Um, I we could assume that he just he got away, but this helped I guess clear it. He he got away, right? Jesse was able to start over. And something that we find in the first opening scene of this movie, it's a it's actually a flashback. It's a scene with Mike. So that another thing that's cool is we get to see flashback scenes with some of our favorite characters from Breaking Bad. You know, we'll see a, a scene with Mike. We see, uh, you know. Pete uh, and Badge, Skinny Pete and Badger, and then we at the end we get to see a a scene, a flashback scene with Heisenberg, Walter White. 
But in this opening scene, it's Mike and Jesse, and it was when they're talking. It's a flashback, and they're talking about how uh, Jesse's going to try to get out now. And he mentions that he wants to try to to make things right. And Mike tells him, you know, that's the one thing you can never do. You can start over, but you can't really make things right with everything that they've done. And then we pick up with Jesse right where we left him. He's driving in that car. He's in the El Camino that he stole from the uh, the not the neo Nazis. He took it and run. It was Todd's El Camino. And he's on the run, and he goes to see Skinny Pete and Badger, and he is just they they don't even recognize him because he's you know beaten up, scarred, hasn't shaved, long hair, filthy looking, just looks like a different person. He is suffering from PTSD. He he has a tough time. You can tell, like in especially at, at the beginning, just kind of interacting with people and um. And, and kind of dealing with reality again after being held in captivity for so long. So he goes to see his buddies. Once they recognize him, they let him in. They, you know, they help, they clean him up. He takes, uh, he has some food, takes a shower, and then he passes out. Um, he wakes up, doesn't know where he is. They, they calm him down. They then kind of figure out a plan on how to get rid of the El Camino. They call, Joe, remember Joe with the magnets, the old man who helped them in the uh, in the junkyard. So Joe comes and helps him. He's going to help him get rid of this El Camino, and then immediately as he's about ready to to take it away, the police turn the low jack on. So then Joe gets nervous. He runs away, and Skinny Pete just steps up and takes charge. He sets up a plan uh, where they, you know, they give up. They give Jesse some money. Skinny Pete sets up this great plan where he's like, hey, you know, Badger, you take my car, take it down to the border uh, by Mexico, hide it, leave it there, and then come back. Uh, I'll I'll tell the police when they get here that Jesse came by and hung out. We just traded cars. Leave the El Camino here. Jesse, you take Badger's car. Skinny Pete's the man. He's got this whole thing uh, under wraps, and they, they set Jesse up, and they kind of, I think, give Jesse a little bit of faith in humanity again. Uh, with just their kind of their kindness, uh, these were remember, these were just buddies who were messing around doing some drugs in high school and stuff, and they got just caught up into crazy, crazy world top level drug kingpin stuff, and and uh, they did a lot of things they didn't want to do. So I think the three of these guys are good guys at heart, right? Jesse Badger and and Skinny Pete. So Jesse's off now. He's in Badger's car. And their plan works. Jesse's driving away, but the cop cars are all flying by, obviously on their way over to Skinny Pete's to to, to see the car. Because Jesse is wanted now. We keep, all throughout the movie, we hear on the news, we see, and we hear on on different radio clips about how Walter White is dead. Uh, Jesse Pinkman is on the run. He is suspected of killing all of them. You see, all of the the neo Nazis are are dead. They talk about the automatic weapon that took everybody out. So they basically tell us what happened in that final episode of Breaking Bad, and they confirm for us that uh, Walter is dead. Then we get a, a flashback to when Jesse is being held in captive uh, by Todd, and the character Todd Jesse Plemons, who ha- had to gain a lot of weight for other roles, is a little bigger than than we remember seeing him last, and. Todd is just so creepy. What makes him the creepiest, I think, of, of all the people in this particular um, movie is just how 
he's so kind of bi- bipolar and just kind of like unaware of what he's doing and done. It, it's insane how he'll just kill someone and then you know he's talking about the weather and it just it doesn't hit him. It doesn't affect him. So Todd needs Jesse's help when his uncle and the the rest of the uh, the guys that hang out the neo Nazis they all they're all gone for the weekend. Todd lets Jesse out of the cage where he is always being held, and he needs Jesse's help disposing of a dead body. Todd accidentally killed his maid because his maid found Todd's stash of money, so he had drug money hidden in these different books. So Jesse now is going to try to go find this money. We know Todd's dead in in present day time. So Jesse needs money now. Cops are coming for him. He's got a car, but he's got no not not a lot. So he's going to go to Todd's and try to get this money. And he's staking out Todd's apartment because you may, this is a crime scene now. They've they've come to you know the police have come to this place now because Todd is. Turned up dead And I'm sure they've uncovered lots of different things about Todd and, 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 and his uncle and everyone So Jesse stakes out the apartment There are just a, so many little like Different like easter eggs and hidden nuggets And throwbacks to um, different things And Breaking Bad and different things Maybe Better Call Saul or just throughout this Like this world of Breaking Bad And There's an, uh, a moment where they talk about Lydia, a woman who was poisoned On the radio um, we see that Todd killed the woman by strangling with a belt. Then, so it kind of when Jesse, we see when you know when Jesse and Todd have that interaction in Breaking Bad. There's another thing we put together, and Todd has a tarantula as a pet. We assume it's the pan- the tarantula from Drew Sharp, the kid that he killed after the train robbery. So while they're in the the apartment getting ready in this flashback They're getting ready to uh, To dispose of his His maid they've rolled her up In the carpet and they're gonna Take her down in the car and, and you know Take her somewhere and they're, they're waiting Because uh, Todd's nosy neighbor Is like outside and he's Always around he's watering plants and stuff So while they're waiting Todd just is like cooking soup Just total nonchalant He's stepping over the dead cleaning lady Like rolled up in the carpet Like while he's cooking soup and talking to Jesse Like absolutely nothing And Jesse's just shaking Again, the one thing we've always seen about Jesse is Anytime he's been around Like I had to, to kill or be around You know, the de- he, he doesn't deal with it He's not one of these people that's liked killing And liked murdering And he's not like Todd who just It doesn't even register on his scale so Jesse ends up getting into Todd's apartment in present day time. That's the, we do go flashback a little bit back and forth in between. Um, early on in the, in the the movie, we do go flashback a, a little bit back and forth, and it it's not confusing. We know when he's back in in you know present when he's in present day time, and he's when in, in the past. But it the full it it doesn't start to get flowing. I think for a little while, and Jesse actually sees his parents on TV, and they're asking him to come forward. And we we get a good idea of of some of the moments that we never really saw Jesse towards the end of Breaking Bad. We just know um, that he was captured in there, and we kind of saw a, a few times when he's having to cook meth and this and that. But we never, and we assumed how bad it was, but we we do get to see really, really how how bad it was. 
and in this little excursion with Todd, where you know they're out in the desert, and there's a moment where Jesse actually has Todd's gun and he has the opportunity to kill him, but Jesse's just so shaken he can't even do it. He ends up just giving the gun back to Todd, and Todd acts, talks to him about pepperoni pizza. Jesse starts crying, and then it, it's like nothing for Todd. He's driving back, he's smiling. He's he's a sick son of a bitch. He is, and poor Jesse is just broken. Uh, he is broken. But now Jesse's back in present day time, and he's looking for the money in Todd's apartment. He's tearing the money out because he he remembers in his flashback. Todd told him, "I will." Todd showed him where he hid his money, and said, "I'm gonna have to change the hiding spot now." And he said, "It's always gonna be close to me though, because I, you know, Uncle Jack always said like that's the thing about Todd. He never even realizes that he's like letting Jesse in on all these secrets because he he thinks he's just gonna have him there forever, kidnapped, tortured. He doesn't even doesn't think it's ever gonna be something that Jesse could possibly uh, benefit from. And so as soon as Jesse." Is able to figure out that the money is like hidden inside, like in the middle of the fridge. He sees someone right outside of the apartment. It's two cops. They're looking around. Jesse's hiding. One of the cops come into the room, and there's the only thing Jesse can do is point the gun at his head and basically tell him, "Be quiet. Act like everything's good. Call your partner in over here." the The problem is, these guys aren't cops. And Jesse takes him a few minutes to realize it So the partner comes in And then right away, it's not the partner It's this guy Neil And these two fake cops just threw some You know, some jackets on that they bought at the store And They're doing the same thing Jesse's doing They're trying to find the money in Todd's apartment So None of them can Be like loud Shoot each other, do anything Because if anyone outside hears Their cover's blown so they gotta try to be quiet in there And one of the two goes outside To kind of distract the neighbor Who knocks on the door and basically saves Jesse uh, And while Jesse's in With this guy Neil uh, he, he says hey I know where the money is You'll never find it And Jesse takes a cut Basically they, they say they're gonna split it three ways And as Jesse leaves He recognizes this guy Neil Who was a welder The welder for the neo-Nazis We never have seen him before We've not seen him in, in Breaking Bad But they have a flashback scene to where we see him With Jesse, with the neo-Nazis All together He created this disgusting like Dog collar that they had put around Jesse's neck And where he was chained To The ceiling Basically and, and all these different bars coming out So he had like a clothesline That he could run on while he was cooking the meth For them I mean this was disturbing And and Jesse kind of finally recognizes him And then you know he, he goes on his way Jesse goes to see Ed Robert Forrester Who actually just passed away The day this movie came out which is unfortunate. Great actor. He was only in, I think, one episode of Breaking Bad at the end, and he's in this too. And he plays that, the disappear, the man who can give you a completely new life for one hundred twenty-five thousand dollars, new identity, new everything, set you all up. What's great too about this is that it's it follows in the Breaking Bad, and that like every time it feels like, oh okay, this is about to be. Taken care of, easy, Jesse's gonna get this taken care of Walter's gonna get this taken care of Figured, There's a twist, and they don't seem like Too crazy far-fetched They're all, 
oh, what just happened? Oh, another turn. And same, we don't know how much money Jesse has, but he walks into this, the place with the the disappear. Robert, remember the vacuum, the vacuum store. And he, and this feels like the first time we get like old Jesse Pinkman where he can't remember. Um, I owe a Mac Super Deluxe Mac. Come on, yo, bitch. Come on, yo, bitch. I'm 96% sure it's you. It's that van color. Yo, he's, he's, uh, talking like Jesse. And Ed, after a while, agrees, but he says he, that Jesse owes him. Cause remember, he came to pick Jesse up before Jesse didn't go with him. So he says, you owe me for the first one too. So Jesse gets out all of his money and he's $1,800 short. And Ed, Will not do it for anything but the full price. So Ed, who is just done, this is there's no deal. Jesse keeps bothering him. He Ed picks up the phone. He calls the cops. Jesse thinks he's bluffing, and then two seconds later, the cops show up. So Jesse goes back. He waits for the cops to leave. He calls Ed on the phone, and and uh, he says, "If I can get the rest of the money, will you help me?" They. They make a deal. So Jesse goes looking for money. He's $1,800 short. We think he's going to look for money. Actually, he goes to his parents' house. He calls his parents. He asks them if they'll come meet him. Um, He wants to turn himself in. He was just kind of setting him up. He wanted to get his parents out of the house so he could go, we thought, take some money from them. In fact, he went to go get a gun. They had two guns in their safe, so he takes them both. And he goes over and he finds... The welder, and he figures, okay, maybe he can get the uh, the rest of the money from the welder. He's got a he's got a couple guns. Maybe he can do he can do something. So this is this is when we get that flashback of the welder creating the collar chain, um, like a crazy that clothesline, and we show how Jesse was really treated and what a bad piece of crap this guy is, right? Like he sees them kidnapping this human and like creating a chain and like a, a literally like human leash for him, and he's just. Obviously a horrible person, this Neil And he's a He's a bad guy, but he's not like A scary bad guy In um, in the sense of like Gus Fring or the neo-Nazis Or any of like the Or a lot of the uh, Tuco, Salamanca, some of the earlier bad guys He's kind of a dumb Dumb criminal So Jesse's at this welding yard While these guys, a bunch of these guys are having a party They just came up on a bunch of money So they're having fun, they have a Coke and they have a bunch of girls That they're paid for partying with them And Jesse just walks Right in uh, After the girls leave and it's just a couple of them And these guys are, are pretty messed up now They've been drinking and, and doing drugs all night And he basically just tells You know he shows that he's got his gun right on Right on his uh, in his uh, Belt loop and he tells him Hey I'm I, I need $1,800 that's it and Neil basically says, "Let's let's have a duel, a wild, wild west duel." They laugh at Jesse's gun. So Jesse does the smart thing. He's got a a small old gun in his waist ba- uh, belt that you could see, and then in his other pocket, he's got the he's got the better gun. He's got the small little power packing gun that nobody can can notice that he's got in his pocket. So when Neil offers a duel, Jesse agrees. These guys literally just face each other and stand there. And everyone in the room is there's three or four other guys in the room. They're like, what the hell is going on? 
And sure enough Right before Neil's about to Pop Jesse Jesse gets him, shoots him, kills him Turn around, kills the other guy Who was a cop So both the fake cops are now done The other three guys are in the room uh, Jesse takes their driver's license And tells them, hey, I know who you are I'll come for you if you ever tell the cops anything about me So we it, it, It's funny, in the scene with the With Ed The disappearer, we get the old school Jesse, yo, bitch, yo And then in this one, we get the real hard Jesse And we can see like the different layers uh, of, of Jesse through all the, the Crap that he's been through So Jesse blows him away He gets the money And then he burns the entire Place down And then as we get towards the end We get the great flashback of Walter Walter White and Jesse And uh they're eating together And this is this is like really early on I think season 2 of Breaking Bad Where they're kind of taking a flashback to uh, They're sitting down at a table eating Jesse's got a big stack in his pocket And he's loving it And he's you know He's the man And this is not long after they had started cooking And they've got a ton of product But they're not sure how to sell it all So he Jesse's telling White, uh, Walt at this point no matter what, I'll, he says, oh, it's going to take six months to sell this. No matter what, I'll always take care of your family. I'll make sure your family gets this money. And then uh, Walter's acting really like th- we we see the difference. Remember the last time we saw Walter and Jesse, they were fighting. Right, be- the last you know their relationship was not good at the end, even though Walter did save Jesse's life. But when we see this scene, we kind of remember how it was at the beginning. When you know Walter's really acting like fatherly, you know, talking to him about about going to school, about college, and you know, Jesse said he wants to be in sports medicine, and Walter says, hey, maybe you know something about um, uh, business, and you know, you could teach that class business, and so it's a uh, yeah, it's crazy to see how much these characters have changed and and their character arcs right from the very beginning of Breaking Bad, the middle to the end, and Jesse even throughout this movie. And then Walt's line to Jesse says, you know, I'm jealous of you, Jesse, because you don't have to wait your whole life to do something special. You know, Walt didn't really feel fulfilled until he started cooking the meth. And we get to see our a flashback of a cool the cool Winnebago one more time out there. We see Jesse, he's uh he's all set up in Alaska. Ed the disappearer helped him, got him set up there. Uh, Jesse says with a with a brand new identity and everything. Jesse says goodbye to him, and he gives him a letter to give to Brock, the kid um, that he loved, whose mom uh, Todd killed. And Jesse drives away. He's free. He's in Alaska with money. He's got a new life. It's the end of Breaking Bad when we see Jesse driving away, and he's. You know, crying, and he's got all the the hair, and the and now he's actually free. He's he's able to, as they say, he can't fix it and start over, but he's able to, or he can't make things right, but he can kind of start over. And he's driving away to a new life. There are, you know, I, I saw a lot of people that were talking about Jet. Is Aaron Paul is obviously a lot older now than he was when he started this. And Todd has gained some weight And there were there, This this was entertaining I liked it It didn't ruin Breaking Bad for me I thought it 
to me it's cool. It's another it's another chapter in the story. It's done by the same people. It's done very well. It feels very Breaking Bad. It's just there there wasn't a lot throughout the movie that really had to happen. It was just the story of Jesse being able to to be free. It was and there were twists and turns along that road. But that was really all it was was Jesse trying to get free. There wasn't a ton of different it wasn't, you know, in Breaking Bad, we're going up and down with every little thing and that's happening and there's we never knew what was going to happen when we sat down in episode 1 of Breaking Bad and then what happened at the end of the the series. When we sit down, we know that okay, this is Jesse's story and Jesse's trying to to get out of town and to to be able to kind of start a new life. I liked it a lot. Uh, I think if you like Breaking Bad, if you're into Better Call Saul, give it a watch. It's not going to ruin anything for you. It puts a nice bow on Jesse's story because he was a major character in that sh- in that show, also, right? And we got to see a nice ending, and not nice, and that he died, but we got to see a conclusive ending for Walt. We never saw that for Jesse. We had to assume. Now we know. Okay. El Camino. Check it out on Netflix. It'll make you want to go back and watch Breaking Bad again too and then probably Better Call Saul. You'll get all in that in that mode. Close things out with a couple horse racing plays. Uh, just a couple from Keeneland. Before we get over to Keeneland, we want to let you know about one of the sponsors of our show. Cindy Carava. Full service realtor Cindy Carava. Check out CindyCarava.com for all of your real estate needs. If you need help with Buying, selling, leasing. If you're looking to improve your home, maybe you need help with some vendors. Uh, you're looking for gardeners, landscapers, painters. Maybe you need help with lenders or some um, help with a, a loan, pre-approval. She can connect you. I can promise you she is one of the nicest and most genuine people you will ever meet. Very trustworthy. I've known her for over a decade. We're going to talk some horse racing right now. Uh, her husband is Jack Carava, trainer here on the Southern California circuit, who's been training for over 30 years down here in a mainstay on the circuit. Awesome, awesome lady, Cindy Carava, and she will take great care of you. I mean, even if you just are interested in finding out how much your home is worth, like the actual value, shoot her an email, cindyc.realtor at gmail.com. She'll take great care of you, cindycarava.com for all of your real estate needs. October 24th, and you know, with Breeders' Cup coming up, I'm obviously going to be, I'm already with the pre-entries are out right today, Right now, I just had printed them out, so I'm going to start digging in. So I'll just have a couple plays here on the next episode of That's What She Said uh, on Friday that we we post. We'll just have probably one or two plays for the weekend. We're going to play small because next weekend is you know going to be a big weekend. We're with the Breeders' Cup. Generally, you're going to get more opportunities for value. They're going to be bigger pools, so it just makes sense to invest a little bit more of your money because you'll get a better return on your investment. So. Um, Couple plays. Let's try to get these uh, to build the bankroll for the Breeders' Cup. Get your past performances out for Keeneland, October the twenty fourth, and let's go to race number seven. There are two horses I like in this race, and so we'll, we'll use them both. Use them both depending on how you're playing the exotics. I like the four Blue Ridge Traveler the most, but I will include the two Dak Attack in the 
exotics and if DAC attack is a better price a much better price then maybe we end up using DAC attack but I like Blue Ridge Traveler if you just go through his career he's a five-year-old now overall he's been very consistent and he's just had some physical issues to where he's you know he, he's got a really long layoff right in the middle and he's you know he's missed a little bit of time he didn't race from April of 2018 to August of 2019 so now he's getting Really back into fitness, back into you know his his racing level, and his three starts since coming back have not been bad. He was a winner last time out against optional non twos, and then he took a, a shot against Grade Three Company, and he was inside. He was fifth. He was five off. He moved up along the inside. He was in between horses. He was in a tight spot. He had to wait. Then he had to angle around. He was up to third. He was within a couple lengths before tiring. He lost a photo for third. I thought it was a pretty good effort against a, a better group going a mile and an eighth. I think he fits really, really well in here. And to me, he deserves, he looks like the horse to beat. And if you're getting anything close to this price, like if, if he's anywhere over three to one, I think he should be a really nice win wager. I would not be shocked if he gets hit hard though. Just looks like he, he's going to fit really nicely in here. He's run really well going a mile and a 16th. And I just expect... Him to be sitting in a good spot. I, I like the fact that he he's shown a little bit of speed. He's not fast. I, I'm not going to in any way say he's fast, but he has a little bit more tactical speed than than you think. He doesn't have to be too far out of it. So Blue Ridge Traveler, and the reason why that hopeful tactical speed should come in handy is because on paper. Dak Attack could be cruising early. I mean, I think if anybody has the opportunity to take this race gate to wire, it's Dak Attack, who's coming out of a couple sprint races. He was behind fact finding last time out. He might be the speed of the speed in here. I think if they want to go with him, he could get the lead. And if a horse like Major Cabby isn't set hard, Dak Attack could be cruising. Probably get a little pace from no dozing to the outside. So let's go. Blue Ridge Traveler, the four. Uh, over the two Dak attack Depending on how you're playing the race um, I will If if one or the other is a, a better price I'll play that to that one to win I will use these two though In, in all of the exotics So if you're playing anything late I think these are the two to use um, And I'll put these two over In you know exactus tries However you approach those And, and vice versa But to me Blue Ridge Traveler Z- uh, And Dak attack and then we'll close things out in the eighth race. Obviously, Daddy's a legend is going to take a ton of money in here, right? I would not tell you to play against Daddy is a legend in Exactas Tri Supers. As far as a, a win wager is concerned, and this is why I wouldn't, I don't want to play a late pick four or late pick five at Keeneland on Thursday because Daddy's a legend very well could win. I don't, I wouldn't really want to use her in that case. And have a pick five, or I wouldn't really want to play against her in that case, and have a pick four or a pick five alive, and and Chuck Daddy as a legend out. But just from a pure value standpoint on the race, I don't think this is going to be her best. And I like Smart Emma at a price, so this is a race where I'd I'd just prefer playing Smart Emma to win. Maybe Smart Emma over in some exotics, um, and and definitely Smart Emma with Daddy as a legend. Because if Daddy is a legend, does win this race, we want to at least try to get some of the value with a, a a mare like Smart Emma, who I think should offer some value in here. She broke right on top last time out. She took back to fourth. She was two, three lengths off. She got forced five wide, 
And that was at Kentucky Downs. And you know what? That track played really weird this particular meet. It was real conducive to horses who were like right up on the lead for a few days. And and anytime I see a horse who just kind of doesn't go on at that racetrack over that turf course, I never really hold it against them. I give them an opportunity to kind of bounce back to a top level. And if if you take Daddy is a legend out of this race from a win standpoint, Smart Emma would be like your next choice right there in the mix for your next most logical winner, probably with Lamari. Um, so I think because Daddy's a legend is in here, you're going to get a, obviously a better price on Smart Emma. Let's play Smart Emma in here to win Smart Emma. I think if you can get it like anything over six, eight to one, uh, six would be the the limit for me. I, I'd like right around eight. Um, and hook up, hook up in some of the exotics with uh, with Daddy's a legend. As long as they're not ABs, right? Want to be my AB is like if Smart Emma gets bet down and Daddy's a legend, and they're just your first and second choice. It's not generally smart to just play the top two betting choices in an exact. I generally just doesn't doesn't pay that well, right? Sometimes we get worried about uh, we we want to pick the winner or we want to you know pick winners, but we got to remember it's about picking winners, betting winners, but it's about Actually making a nice return on your investment If you're just um, Chalking it up All the time Probably not the best way to go Because you have to win so many more times For every one of those losses right? It's just not quite worth your money So just the two plays At Keeneland uh, In the 7th race Monitor the odds in this one And, and then in the 4 and the 2 Let's hook those two up in all the exotics Dak Attack and Blue Ridge Traveler I like Blue Ridge Traveler a little bit more Especially if uh, you're going to get the better price on that one And then Smart Emma uh, Keep an eye on the price on Smart Emma But let's make a, a nice win wager On Smart Emma in the 8th At Keeneland So just two for you There And remember Stable Duel Go right now and download that Stable Duel app uh, when the entries all come out and the Stable Duel contest is actually ready and open. I will have a segment on the show where I go through what it is to build a lineup. If you've ever played like DraftKings or FanDuel or any of the Daily Fantasy, it's it's the same type of thing, but it's for horse racing. You build your lineup based on a salary cap. So... You're selecting horses, and if they're like a heavy favorite, they're going to be more expensive. And if they're a long shot, they're going to be less expensive. And you get points based on how they finish all the way through. So free to enter. I mean, if you if you're listening and you're going to be playing the the races on the Breeders' Cup, a lot of us horse racing fans are. Even if if you're someone who's ah, you know, I don't have a ton of money. I I wish I could play more on Breeders' Cup days, but I don't have a ton. This is perfect. It's a free contest, and it's a ton of fun. And you you don't have to be like you can get lucky in this you can be an expert in win you can be a novice in win it's just a lot of fun and I'll help you out in any way shape or form with the uh, with the stable duel stuff so just let me know if you need like always anytime if you if you get a chance and you're on iTunes you can go and leave a nice five star rating and review don't forget to describe to subscribe to us on YouTube SoundCloud Google Pods anywhere you get your podcast make sure to check out that's what G said thanks again everyone Hope you have a a nice End of your week And we'll have another episode back in just a few days Where we give you the, the football 
college football football plays. We'll recap last week and we'll give you a couple of weekend horse racing. And then next week, we'll have a massive Breeders' Cup show where we go over every single horse in every single race on Friday and Saturday for the Breeders' Cup. Thanks, folks. Joey, my man, take it away.